what's going on people this is the real talk real walk family and we're back again with yet another episode come on <laughs> another episode where we have a special guest yes we oh, do yeah. another episode where we are starting yet another series come on Shanda. another episode where we bring forth all of the revelation to your doorstep that's it. Free of charge, Shanda. <laughs> Another episode where Aura's going to heal your dramas and issues. <laughs> wow. Another episode where Pastor Ema's going to give you a scripture you haven't read in six years. Hallelujah. <laughs> wow. wow. Another episode to take over your Spotify, SoundCloud and your Apple. Come on. Back with myself, Gabs. Myself, Mr. Game Changer. You go, Ore. And we are the Real Talk, Real Walk family. Right, we're not going to waste too much time. We've got a special guest in the house today. All the way from Croydon, Abelkuta. This guy. my ends, fam. How you doing, bro? You all right? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, man. How you guys doing, man? We're not too bad, we're not too bad. Awesome. Thank you for having me, man. Pleasure, the pleasure is ours. The pleasure is ours. It's been a minute, been a minute, man. It's probably about right when we finally get you on there, to be honest. Thank you. That's overdue still. I can't even lie. We're starting a series on, on faith. We know our listeners love a good old series where we dive into something within the scriptures. Um, so we're starting a series on faith. But before we do that, with, our, our, with all of our special guests, we love to do a quick, quick fire. I'm going to throw 10 questions at you. It's quick fire, so it's got to be quick, sharp, snappy. Just to get you warmed up, get your juices flowing and all that good stuff. You ready for that? Ready for you, bro. Ready for you. Wait. First one, Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. Preaching or prophesying? Jeez. (laughs) Answer correctly. (laughs) That was hard still. Preaching, you said, yeah? Yeah, 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 NBA or football? Oh. <laughs> NBA. Wow. Right now it's NBA. <laughs> I, hear that. I hear that. I definitely hear that. Would you rather a week in Jamaica or two weeks in Dubai? Jeez. Two weeks in Dubai. Tesco or Sainsbury's? Tesco. Kurt Franklin or Fred Hammond? Aish! Hey! <laughs> What kind of question is this one? Say, <laughs> um, oh, Fred, but yeah, Freddie. Jeez, I'm shocked. It I'm, has not, to I'm, be. I'm not really a cat fan like that, to be honest with you. So, really? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. public, bro. Wow. This is more Fred than Kirk. All right, just a couple few more. Uh, Genesis or Revelation? Genesis. Any reason? <laughs> it's, it's Genesis. <laughs> That's an NDA. I'm not discussing. I hear it. Um, next one. Uh, would you rather 30 minutes with Warren Buffett or 30 minutes with TD Jakes? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I'm biased. TD Jakes. I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> what about you, Ebert? What are your thoughts on that one? Okay, what's the answer? I'm not gonna lie, I'll pick Warren Buffett. <laughs> yeah, you like you like money, huh? Do you know what? It's not even that. I'm just not the biggest fan of TD Jakes. 
thanks. Well, oh, you'll be okay. Fair enough. Fair, fair I don't enough. dislike him. I'm just not the biggest fan, so I, that's why I pick Warren Buffet. Nah, I'm, a, I'm a TD fan still. Um, lastly, I offer. Yeah, the answer. <laughs> But we don't eat man's thing. Yeah, of course we do. Well, I don't know, you know, Imam, it depends what, what day it is. But... politically correct. <laughs> yeah, apparently. But Imam's going Warren Buffett still. <laughs> money, money game changer. Trust me. Hey. We said I'm going to Warren Buffett. Don't, don't, don't be like Pastor Toby, you know. Man, Warren Buffett, you know. That is Shanda. And, and Ori, I heard that politically correct <laughs> comment. Don't worry, when your time comes. <laughs> when your time comes. Oh my gosh. Oh, mate. Um, right, last one. £500 every day for a year or £5,000 up front? £500 every day for a year? Yeah, or five grand up front? Yeah, £500 every day for the year. Of course. Yeah, that's smart, man. Uh, right, what was that? What you say? The 5k up front. What's that, fam? Hey, in a month, I will, I will be able to make that and and, and invest that, bro. Swear! I hear that. I hear that. 5k yeah. is a lot of money, It's a lot of money, but 500 pounds every day for a year. Yeah. yeah. yeah to be fair, you're looking at six grand for the year, to be fair. Fam. <laughs> say no more. See, so you're a smart man. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's dive into this episode. Um... As mentioned, we're going to be talking about what it means to fight a good fight of faith, yeah? Obviously, we know it comes from the scripture. We've all heard the scripture. But just for our listeners, I'm going to read it out anyway, just so everyone's got context um, of where the scripture comes from. Um, and I'll read quickly. It's in First uh, Timothy uh, 12, and it says, Fight a good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Um, so to throw it out there, what 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 comes to mind when when we hear fight a good fight of faith? Obviously, it's probably something that you know each and every one of us here has probably heard since since we were young, since when we first you know came into church. We hear pastors screaming, "Yeah, fight a good fight of faith!" Whenever someone is going through something. Mm. But yeah, just to throw it out there, what's what's your initial thoughts without without going deep just yet? But what's your initial thoughts <laughs> of fighting a good fight of faith? Like when you first came across this scripture or when you first heard it from your pastor or your mentor or whoever, what was the, the the general thinking behind it? Was it that you got the understanding of it straight away or it took you some time to really grasp the knowledge of it? What What's the general thinking behind it? Yeah, like, like, like I think of all scripture with age and time, you get what I'm saying? Your, your perspective, understanding matures in it in regards to its, its context. But when I first kind of heard, of, heard it, I, I did kind of get it for what it was. But I think life showed me what it was really was you know what i mean I, and when i first heard it it was it was kind of like a catchphrase that you was given to like press through or like you know like mm. oh you know what i'm saying man christians go for persecution fight the good fight of faith you know obviously back in the days when we used to maybe be preaching on the streets a lot so something bad happens fight the good fight of faith you know <laughs> so fight the good fight of faith was just always a, a, a rebuttal to anything um negative in life you know what i mean so mm. kind of the scripture to gas you to make you realize that wait you're, you're on a fight you know what i mean kind of thing so that was my first kind of like um you know understanding of that scripture or um, mm. encounter with it in regards to yeah hearing it for the first time you know i can relate with that um all right how about you for yourself i was gonna say the same thing i think i would agree with i or it was basically just like a rebuttal to any hard situation anybody was going through i think it was almost used as like a plaster to, I don't think that people 
were as gracious when saying it. I think it was just used as if you're upset, okay, fight the good wife, fight the faith, or something bad's going on in your life, fight the good wife, or <laughs> fight the faith. Like, nobody really practically kind of sat down and explained kind of what it meant. Mm-hmm. How about yourself, Eman? Anything different, or was it similar for you as well? I'm trying to... Are we... What What does it mean, or what did it... What did that scripture mean to me back in the day? Yeah, so obviously we come to, yeah. yeah, we'll definitely dive into like what it means, like yeah. now, how we view it now, but yeah, also when we first came across it, because obviously similar for me, it's like Oren Eman. I kind of had a feeling that that would probably be the majority. Mm. It, it seems like a, a crutch or something that we just throw out there, or something that when we're going through something, people just throw it at us. Oh yeah, fight a good fight of faith. I've I've heard pastors scream it so many times mm. like, in my old church when going through something, almost like it was a motivational tool, just to just to keep going like just to press on yeah but for you how was it for you when you first heard it was it a case where you heard it and you was taught correctly from the beginning or was it something that you had to grow in knowledge of over years over time um i think i think my answer will be both it, it will always especially as a believer you're um as long as you're dedicated and and humble to growing and maturing you're always growing the knowledge of the meaning of what scriptures mean and stuff but for me it was more like um it was definitely more an encouragement. Um, it was more an encouragement for me, you know, um, in that, especially because I, growing up, I was around a lot of unbelievers. Um, and so finding a community of believers at first, when I first got saved, like towards the end of secondary school, um, going into college and stuff like that, um, it was more of an encouragement um, that, you know, I use for myself that look fight a good fight of faith um, in in you growing in your spiritual walk in your personal walk um, and enduring as well. So that that kind of really resonated with me because the endurance is a very big thing for me. So yeah, that spoke a lot to to where I was and who I am even now. Mm. Do we do we think that it helped us in in these situations? So, you know, within the within the early days when we obviously came across the scripture or, we're, or when we were told to fight a good fight of faith, when we were going through something, at the time, obviously we know the word was given to us for encouragement, but did it help us? Yeah, for me, like, within, within, within its context, um, when it was used, like, it did give me some sort of, like, affirmation, if I say that loosely, and, like, like Iman said, obviously, over time, like you grow with your understanding of, of what it means. So it, it, it gave me perspective that um, this wasn't a walk in the park, you know what I mean, kind of thing. And and that's like sometimes um, um, faith isn't just asking God for something. Sometimes, you know, the good fight of faith is, is holding the fork down <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, for Jesus kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, so, um, yeah, I would say it did. In, in one perspective, it definitely did. But I think over time, when you understood it more and maybe go through a bit more of life, there was a lot more fleshing out of that scripture that spoke to more areas in a, on a much deeper level. So it, mm. it, did, it, it did its job in, in, when it was said to me, if I'm honest with you. I think it mm. did. So, yeah. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think that we as Christians need to go through something in order for us to really understand that scripture? 100%. Yeah, I think with all scripture, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... Bible talks about forever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. You know, it speaks about two different encounters people can can have within the Bible. People can read it 
and be informed and can quote it and can probably even explain to you what it means in its context and stuff. Then there's those who have actually intimately known and experienced that word, you know what I'm saying? I can, and can, you know, testify to that word in their lives and see it come to life. You know what I mean? So I think, um, yeah, hundred percent. Oh, no, speaking that you also mentioned hundred um, percent. Yeah, I do. And I think, um, not just because I think that in general, the true test of a Christian and the true test of understanding strict scriptures, pardon me, is when you, live it out and you're actually faced with a valley and you're like okay this is what the scripture says now it's time to really put it into practice but beyond that I actually also think that um going through hard times I think it's the true test of any Christian's faith and um mm. belief in God and you know when the Bible talks about you know people falling by the wayside and and the word of God not sticking into some people's hearts that's it's when you're in hard times that like, you'll really know because um that's honestly, it's just the test of your faith, really. And I, I do believe that, that I, this is going to sound so bad, but I do really believe that a lot of the time, those whose faith has been tried and tested, mm-hmm. I feel like, almost like, not to say that that's the real Christianity, but I also feel like it's very encouraging to see certain saints who have walked with God for a very long time and have been through a lot of difficult situations and you see them still persevering. I think that that's when mm-hmm. it's really, really encouraging to people like me to say the least yeah which and i definitely hear it obviously we definitely do learn like through people's experience so i think we can definitely see um how other christians have gone through something can come out the other side or how how a christian is going through something and you can see via their character or via their attitude that you know they are obviously representatives of christ and it definitely can be encouraging um and i definitely do hear the point about you know when we do go through something that's when we truly understand the depths of a particular scripture because it's almost as though we are living examples of the word rather than you know somebody having head knowledge and just you know being able to go out there and preach a word without actually living by it or without without having gone through a particular thing so i definitely do hear it um let's obviously dive into more about you know what it actually means um as we see the scripture now and as we have the knowledge now and we'll probably start with with yourself Iman. Um, and, and lay the foundation. What what does that scripture mean 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 to to you? Um, is it better that we open it up so that we at least have some sort of context? I can't hear you, bro. Sorry about that. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I was gonna say, can we read it first and then? At least to get a bit of context, because we're saying it, saying it, saying it. Mm. But I think it would be good. Uh, so First Timothy six twelve, um, I'll read ESV. It says, "Fight a good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life which uh, to which you were called, and about which you were uh, you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses." Um, so a bit of context is Paul was writing to his understudy, his mentee, a spiritual son in the faith, um, and in exhorting him, encouraging him, rebuking him, all of these kind of things which uh, a leader would do to, to anyone that follows them. And so here now, like Paul is basically telling Timothy to contend for the faith, another translation says. Um, and the importance of that is why why paul is saying that because he goes on to say that take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and jesus talks about um he didn't just 
give us life. He's come to give us life more abundantly. And so the life that we might live with, you know, having a job, um, being in a relationship, buying a house, um, studying in uni or whatever you're doing in life, that's that's part of life, but that's not the fullness of your life. And so as a believer, there's more to life. There's There's this life that we've been called to, which Jesus talks about in that being the kingdom of God. And so there's an assignment that we have as believers to to fulfill in that. So now when Paul is, is saying to Timothy, yo, look, my son in the faith, listen up, fight the good fight of faith. There is more for you. That's one of the, I think that's one of the key differences that I've learned over the years that look, you, in you fighting the good fight of faith, which is believing or taking hold of God's in-birth persuasion, because that's what the word faith actually means in the Greek. The word uh, faith in the Greek is the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. Um, and it actually means God's in-birth persuasion. So when you see, when when you're walking this, this walk of faith, it's actually this in-birth persuasion that Jesus is real, that he is the savior, that God is good, that God is a faithful God. He's given us eternal life. We are sons and daughters of God. We have a hope after we pass out of this world. Now Paul is saying to Timothy, yo, there is so much more than what you're doing right now. You've got to take hold of it. You've got to fight for it in your lifetime and not just wait around and take life casually, but take hold of it. When you take hold of something, it's like in the shop and there's a last pair of trainers that everyone wants. Everyone's got a firm grip of it because they want to have it. And it's kind of like Paul saying that to Timothy in this context, look, you've got to hold on to this thing. You've got to hold on to it tight because there is more to the life that you are living right now. That's good. That's very, very good. That's a solid foundation. Um, all right, do you want to build on that? Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> Coming like I'm at work. Um, To be honest, I don't think I could add anything beyond what Iman said. I think he summarised it perfectly. That. I mean, Ima's done a great job at that. Um, Ayo, do you want to add to that? Yeah, um, yeah, man. Obviously, great, great, um, great down, Iman. I think, um, like, that, reading verse 12, that's, that's even half, you know what I'm saying, the sentence that, that, um, that Paul started saying to Timothy. When we read it from verse 11, it says, but you, a man of God, flee these things. So I think, Reading that fight, good at the reading, reading, sorry, reading the fight, good fight of faith. It implores me to even find out what was it that tip that that Paul was warning Timothy about in regards to fighting the good fight of faith. And this is where we get the famous scripture love of money is the root of all evil, God mm. with contentment is great gain. And it talks about you know, there's people out there teaching false doctrine, X, Y, and Z from such people. Withdraw yourself, and it's almost as if like. Paul was like, is, is warning Timothy, like your company, um, people's doctrine about, you know, you need to have both money and godliness being the gospel ain't really true. Talking about, you know, the the um, the temptation that people who desire to be rich fall into, you know, these things are going to wrestle against your faith because sometimes choosing the walk of faith may cause you to live a contradictory lifestyle in regards yeah. to those around you. Mm. So, like, if we're, and if we're all going to be really honest, like, you know, I, I believe, um, what's the scripture? The, 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 Paul says here, I think it's verse 8, those who desire to be rich 
fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and harmful loss which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's a very loud yeah. statement. I don't hear much in churches today. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very powerful because then Paul's, Paul's almost contacted Timothy, look, my son, like, you have to pursue godliness with a contentment, knowing that if you have food and clothing, you're calm. Mm. Don't allow the um, the pursuits and the things of this world to cause you to come to a place where you compromise your faith. Uh, and the reality is that you're going to come into a place in your walk with God where the world is going to be screaming loud things at you that may come at the detriment of your faith. You know, mm-hmm. and the Paul talks about how, you know, those people that desire to be rich end up in sorrow. And the Bible says the blessing of the Lord maketh one rich without sorrow. So there's, there's clearly two different paths to how we can experience the blessings of life. One will come with sorrow, which is mm-hmm. what the unbeliever experience, and one can come without no sorrow, which is what the believer can experience with God. So when I read the fact, the good fight of faith, it's almost if I fight to believe that God's way is the right way. Mm. Even though everything else around you may be seen to be flourishing, those things end in destruction. Mm. That's good, bro. That's really, really good. And I want to obviously ask a question off the back of that. And it's good that you mentioned verse 11, because I was going to come to that. I'll read it in full anyway, just so that our listeners are aware of the scripture. Um, and it says, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. And obviously that's when it goes on to talk about fighting a good fight of faith. Mm. How, how do we do all of these things when we are in a place where we are going through something or we are going through the trenches or we are stuck in the mud and, you know, our mentors, our pastors are telling us pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue endurance pursue gentleness how, how 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 practically do we do these things when our current circumstances and situation doesn't look so great you know um, like it, it's interesting like even the scenario that you bought and then the scripture because i feel like this scripture speaks more to like um doesn't speak more to those scenarios where we're going through the trenches you know if i'm honest with you uh, i feel like those scriptures there, I, I need to be pushing you to cast your anxieties onto the Lord <laughs> because he cares for you. I need to push you to, um, you know, cast your burdens. Jesus' yoke is easy. He burdens light. Because I, cause I think I think it's almost unhealthy where if, we, if, if we're making people feel like they need to fight something when something is going wrong, it's almost as if they're the ones that are in control of what happens to them or like they, they depict what this is. If you have faith in God... There's a divine persuasion that God's got you no matter what. And when you're going through the trenches, I feel like that's the time for you to actually experience what it means to um to rest in God, to trust in God and whatnot, rather than trying to f- find another hand on how you can fight your way through it. I feel, like that's, I, feel like, I feel like that's done more damage than good because people do that and realise they don't get results and tell me God doesn't work. <laughs> but, but that wasn't their response. Like, you know, if I'm only really honest with you, that like, just, just being older now and just going through the years and seeing it, how we use it, I feel like um, that, there's a, that there will be a level of wisdom to speak to people's situations in regards to that. So I think, like, to, to go back to your question, I think more so um, the practicalities, if I'm honest with you, will be your, your community and people around you. So those that you event to and whatnot, what kind of things are they saying to you? Because I, I think we don't realise how much we feed upon, you know, the feedback of our of our brothers and our sisters. Um, because Paul also says to Timothy that flee youthful loss 
and pursue righteousness, faith and faith. But he says something key at the end, along with those who call on the Lord have a pure heart. He tells Timothy that your purity from lust is going to be found in the community with those who are seeking God from a pure heart, not just from you running from it. So he challenges Timothy that who you're around and, and who you're pursuing this godliness thing with is as key mm. to you pursuing godliness. So I would always challenge your community, your godly counsel, all those sort of things that are, are like the real practical things because um, sometimes when we're left to ourselves on our own devices, we you know, I think that's even the most darkest space we can be in and we end up to, you know, not make the most wise decisions. So that's one of the main practical parts I would say, like having godly community and counsel uh, whilst you're in the trenches. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting, obviously, that you mentioned um, in the beginning of the answer that it's not necessarily, it's not directly in response to people being in situations or circumstances or people not necessarily being in the trenches. I want to come to you, Iman, just to probably um, talk on that a little, if if you can. Um, obviously, based on what I was I was mentioned, well, why do you think the scripture tells us to fight? Like, why why do you think the word fight is obviously used there? Because um, Paul's trying to use descriptive words to describe the intensity of of what it is. Um, it's, it, we're not <laughs> like when the Bible uses, you know instances like we are overcomers when paul uses instances like ephesians 6 when he says we don't wrestle against flesh flesh and blood but against principalities and powers paul talks about training his body um like a like a like an olympic athlete there are so many instances in the new testament where it speaks to the intensity of your walk and so like the challenge the, ch- the challenge now is for be- for believers to understand, especially for those who are kind of, hmm, I don't, do I want to go down this road? Okay. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so for example, like the Word of Faith movement that many of us grew up um, in where, you know, a lot of it was about, you know, the health and the wealth and God blessing you and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and that's, that was probably more found in evangelical, Pentecostal, you know, spaces, charismatic, if you want to throw it in. Um, and so there's this kind of airy-fairy belief for some people, even though in some spaces it may have not been overtly said, there's just a, a belief that, you know, challenges aren't really there because, you know, we've overcome in Christ and we've we've gotten through. So the challenges won't be that peak. So now when when Paul is using language like fight the good fight of faith, He's telling someone who's a young man, who's who's coming up, who's talented, who's gifted, but he's coming through the wings. And he's like, look, I, I need to tell you some things from a space of wisdom that you're going to need to fight. You're going to need to fight the good fight of faith. And one of the hallmarks of, of the apostles, what they went through is that they were persecuted heavily for their faith. Um, I, I always bring this up from time to time. Many of them, you know, were crucified you know like jesus christ some were crucified upside down some were thrown off cliffs some were boiled alive some were fried alive some were thrown to the lions and so in 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 the name of you know serving this jesus christ and so now paul is saying look you're gonna have to fight this good fight of faith which means that there are going to be tense moments there are going to be challenging moments there are going to be moments where you know you're under pressure it's kind of like football like there's moments where where you might feel like your team is, you know, you've got possession, you know, 
you look very attacking, you look like you're going to score. And then it looks like for another moment, the opposition have a chance. Like there's some moments where you will be on the back foot. And that doesn't mean that you failed or it doesn't mean that you've lost or the enemy has won over you. It just means that there's some moments that are challenging. But this this uh, word fight is to say that you've got something to contend for. That's actually good. I'm preaching in this place. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> That's sorry guys. I was just I just paused for a moment. But yeah, it means that you have something to contend for. So you don't fight for something that you're you're not gonna get out. You're not gonna get anything out of unless you're, you know, like you unwise people who just fight on the street. But he's fighting because he's contending for something. He's contending for something that is eternal and that's something that our generation needs to understand right now is that we're not going through things we're not going through life just so that life can flog us and then people can say r.i.p at the end of the day but we are contending for something eternal so as people are watching us just like paul says that we are living epistles we are we are pictures for the world to see that jesus is real so we're contending for something that the world doesn't offer the world doesn't offer eternal life. The world doesn't offer hope. So what we're contending for is this message that, yes, Jesus Christ lives, that he does save, and that he is faithful to, to keep us to the end. And that's why the Bible describes that he that endures to the end will be saved. So for us who are contending, who are fighting for the faith, this is what we're doing. We're contending for the things that are eternal and not just the God bless me, God give me money for my house, God give me, you know, this new job. And those things intrinsically are not bad, but when we spend our time and our efforts for those material things, we lose sight of the eternal things. Yeah, you definitely released a word, bro, real talk. <laughs> you definitely released a word. Um, I want to ask, what, what, how, how do we pursue righteousness and godliness? What does that, what does that look like? Um, I would say it's keeping a pure heart across everything that you do. So, um, because we're all quite active on social media, I'll start with social media, what you look at, what, who you follow by pursuing righteousness. It means putting away things that are not of God. Like if somebody is tweeting things that are reckless on follow in, um, let me see, in work, showing up on time, working hard, doing things as unto the Lord. I strongly believe that righteousness permeates every aspect of our lives. And it's not just on Sunday in church, but it's in our relationships, it's in our conversations, it's in our conduct on a day-to-day basis. Everything we do, we should do it in a way that reflects the goodness of God. And that's that would be my answer. Good answer. Yeah, I think um, um, in in context of what Paul was saying to Timothy, I think the pursuit of righteousness is is finding out what is right before the Lord and, and making that your your ambition in life. Literally, it's the same way you you, you graft and hustle to pursue riches and wealth and and all that sort of stuff. Um, pursuing righteousness is literally you know, Lord, what, what pleases you, what honours you, what is right in the eyes of God and making that, you know, my ambition and and, and God of life, literally. So that's where, that's what I see and hear when I hear the word pursue righteousness. It's almost as if like I'm now being charged to make my 
efforts intentional about doing what is right you know and, and and so forth so that comes from you know community that comes from you know you know sound doctrine teaching you know that comes from um, all of that sort of stuff and that's making that an actual ambition in my life that I'm gonna stay committed and faith and faithfully pursue this that's good you mind when I add to that? Ah, me, please. I don't want to add to preach, but um, <laughs> Matthew 5, um, um, Matthew 5 or 6, 6, 6, sorry, 6, 33, seeking first the kingdom um, and his righteousness and all of these other things. So we've been encouraged um, to, to pursue righteousness, even Matthew chapter 5 as well. Um, in the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, "Bless, yes, 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 blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness." So we even see other scriptures in the New Testament that back up this piece of righteousness. Um, Paul even says, um, the, the, "the the kingdom is made up of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost." So this righteousness piece is there, um, and you have to chase after it. And sim on on a in the simple terms, what does this look like? God what what are the things that I can do today that are right before you in the way I talk to my colleagues at work, in the way that I be, behave with people, in, in the way that I serve people at church, in the way that I address this person who's really been annoying me of, of recent and I just don't know how to handle it. What's the right way of doing it? What's the God way of doing it? That's something practical because sometimes when we say righteous or righteousness, it it leaves some sort of ambiguous cloud of ah what's righteousness so sometimes we fit in sometimes opinion sometimes you know things from the bible and all manners of stuff in but on a practical in a practical way um we can always go to god and go god how can i how can, how can i do this right before you how can i you know like i don't want to you know talking about re- uh, relationships of recent how how do I how do I deal with this lady or this you know this lady that I'm speaking to in an honourable way? I don't want to lead her on anymore. It's not going the right way. What's the right way of doing it? Like we can ask God these things, and He 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 will answer. He will show us the way. That's how we can, how we can seek it because we're doing it consistently, and we do this every day. It's not just a one stop shop. It's not just a one day thing. It's a consistent thing every day. God, how can I? love and serve my 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 spouse correctly yes they, they've annoyed me or how can we navigate this phase of our marriage or how can we navigate this place where we've lost something or we've been hurt by something you know god will, will, will always be able to show you the, the right way of doing things that's good thanks for that for sure <clears throat> that's definitely good i want to um go back to first timothy um six because I've got a question. I'll reverse 10 quickly because my question is off the back of it. It says, for the love of money is root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So my fo- the question, the focus of my question is, is on how people are eager for money have wandered from the faith. Is there is there any specific reason why the scripture only highlights money is um, partly why people have wandered from the faith? We know that there are other reasons why people wander from the faith, or is the scripture um, informing us that money is probably one of the bigger factors for why people wander from the faith? I think it's it's the latter. 
And the reason I say that is because um, we know that a lack of money, so poverty um, and crime and poverty and lots of different things, that it's inextricably linked because when you when you lack money and the fact that money is almost one of the most fundamental things to making our world go round. And by that, I mean, from a practical sense, nobody can purchase anything. Nobody can, you know, you can't buy, you can't get a house. You can't even get a place to rent if you don't have enough money. And so because of that, the lack of money can lead to extreme desperation because money is needed for survival. When you lack money and you become extremely desperate, that opens the door to a lot of sin. So be that crime to get money, crime, turn into a life of crime because you don't have money, doing things that are illegal because you want money, coveting what other people have, which in and of itself is a sin as well. Everything that comes from the desire to have money, when it's not um, balanced appropriately with, with what is legal, what is right, what is just, it can lead to acting out that sense of desperation bills are always going to be there and you know how the bible says you know the borrower is slave to the lender basically the lack of money can lead to so much so many more problems and i think that's why the bible is so key that if you love money because it's one thing to just have money for the sake of paying your bills but it's another thing to want over and above and to have the excess because when you then out of desperation for the excess that's where sin can abound that's where you can it's very easy to 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 turn to things that are not of God. I don't know if, if that explanation was clear, but yeah. No, it was 100%. Yeah, that was fine. With the, what was it? So what, um, your question, Gabriel, then, uh, are, you, are you saying why does it highlight it? Yeah. I'm, I'm keen to know why it highlights money because obviously looking at it practically, I mean, I'm sure we've all come across of people that, have, that are leaving the faith, whether it's because of money, or because of other stuff, but we we know we might not know the ins and outs, but we do know of people who leave the faith. You know, within within how long we've all been Christians for, I'm sure we've come across many people oh, that have left the faith. But obviously, here in the scripture, it highlights money. So my question was, why is there any reason why the scripture um, highlights money above any other reason for why people wander from the faith? Yeah, um, you know, I think it it goes back to the scripture that um, Iman mentioned earlier. Um, in Matthew, I think Matthew 6 speaks about, you know, not 17 masters, talks about God and talks about mammon, you know, which could be translated also as um, as money. And I think, like, if there's a trend I've, I've seen, um, Gabs, when even people that leave the faith, I've seen people leave the faith for different reasons, but mm. then end up, you know, um, end up having bare money. And mm. I, I find it interesting because then, because money gives a full security in life, you know, yeah. when you have lots of it, that will cause you to question. Remember, the Bible says it's very hard for a rich man to yeah. enter into heaven because it's almost as if, what need do I have for God when I have the needs that I have in this life, right? So yeah. it, it, the love of money brings you into a short-sightedness um, of your sin that doesn't enable you to see the need for um, 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 for God's forgiveness. So I feel like this, this scripture just highlights you know, the love of the money, you know, which will, like I always said, cause you to do any type of thing <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and, and to get that sort of money. And, you know, um, and, and I feel like money in itself is, is, is probably the number one thing that um, causes people uh, people not to live a lifestyle of faith in righteousness towards God. Mm. 
you know, I, I, I cover life now as a, even as, as a as a as a pastor, as a church leader. You know, there's, there's things that we would do for money that we will probably have to beg you to do to to, to, to do for the house of God, <laughs> purely because church ain't paying you to do that. You know what I mean? But then obviously, with work arts, you too, you know, the, the attitude is very different. You know, just to give another practical example, it's not always necessarily consciously um, intentional that people behave like that, but it mm-hmm. speaks to the fact of how much we subconsciously have trust in riches than we have in just obeying the right thing to do, you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so I'll give another example. Like, so practical one is like, oh, my church, we do 6 a.m. prayers twice a week. You know, some people struggle to come prayer. You know what I'm saying? I said, fam, you know, if I, if I paid you one meal to do prayer twice a week, would you, would you be, oh, yeah. they all said they would be there by 5 a.m., not 6 a.m., you know what I mean? But the reality is there's money does something to you. <laughs> <laughs> that you know what I mean so and I feel like you know Paul was warning us that fam when you f- when you fall into that trap of loving it all types of evil and sorrows is, is awaiting you because it, mm. money promises you things that it can't you know eternally um, um, suffice to so yeah that's what I would say to that question yeah, that's interesting so probably a question off the back of that probably a last question before we, we start winding up um, yeah. Iman how, how how do you think we we should um, obviously pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, and obviously strengthen our faith when money should not be a factor. Like, how do we get to that place where, you know, like I was saying, we can turn up to 6 a.m. prayer twice a week without being paid to do it? How do we get to that place? <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, that's the we as Christians, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, for one, give me, a, give me 500 pounds to wake up 6 a.m., I'll do that every day. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I won't even lie to anybody. But how, do, how do we get to that place where, you know, it's not just past the IO, it's not just past the E-man, it's, it's the normal congregation members that are waking up, six, whether it's every day, 6 a.m. Like, how do we get to that point where, we, you know, we can be passionate for the things of God when money is not a factor for us? Can I, I'm going to submit an answer that might, not sound like a conventional answer. I my my personal conviction right now is that instead of giving you a formulaic answer, I'm going to submit to you that your walk with God, your genuine earnest walk with God will lead you to a place right. for desperacy for God and hunger for God. Um and why I say that is this is because if I take if I teach you formulaic Christianity, you're going to depend more on the formula than than mm. the person who's at the root and the source of everything. And why your walk with God is important is because you actually come to a place where you then realize God is actually your everything. There's moments where, like, we pray to God, oh, God gave me a new job. God gave me, a, uh, you know, the money for a new house. You know, he blessed me with an amazing, you know, partner, X, Y, Z, all of those things. But it's only when you go through moments of silence and moments of stillness or you go through the you know the desert season as as some preachers would call it or the wilderness phase you then realize wait everything is stripped away what do i have left mm. if i have to if i have to preach hours of sermons before you realize that money is not import, more important than your spiritual walk with god or if i have to yeah if i have to preach hours to tell you that it's not going to it's not going in my personal opinion it's not going to do you as much good as you getting to a place where you for yourself have to learn that God is my all in all. God is my source. And even if I don't get that pay rise, and, it, and, and you know why I say this? Because I remember like back in the day when man were listening to John Piper and 
you know, all these Calvinist guys, like, and these men were set, like, especially Piper. It's like, you have to, you have to be satisfied in God by himself. I think they call it hedonism or something like that, where you're just satisfied in God. If he never gave you another thing, would you be satisfied in God? And he was preaching that. He was banging on about that. You were like, yeah, okay, I hear that. Uh, well, we still need God to provide for us. We still need X, Y, Z. But then, like, like, I, like I was saying earlier, like as you grow, as you get older, as you walk with God more, you realize that as you journey with God, you realize actually, no, you know what? God is all that I actually need. And so if I tell you today, ah, wake up at, at five, start praying, do praying and fasting. Yeah, it might sustain you for a little while. But I'm looking at the wider issue. And why I gave that answer is because I'm looking at the wider issue. The wider issue is that the millennial, according to, to statistics, I believe, is that the millennial generation has the highest numbers uh, of, of, of people walking away from the faith in comparison to baby boomers, in comparison to uh, Gen Z and I forgot uh, Gen X or whatever they're called. So... I'm looking at a generation that is walking away from God at a rapid rate, at a drastic rate. Mm. It's not just my one, two steps, my five steps and my, you know, my, my book that, you know, is, has a nice picture at the front and my social media page that is going to lead you to it. Those are tools, but that's not, that's not the source. If I don't lead you to the source and you have a relationship, an honest relationship with the source, who is God, and your savior who is Jesus Christ and the spirit that lives within inside you, the Holy spirit, then I, I can't lie to you. I, I, I don't want to be the one that gives you the formula or the formulaic answer. Um, mm. I hope that answers <laughs> your question to a degree. Um, I, I, yeah. I think even to jump on your piggy bank, you, I think like, once again, it's, it, it's a value system here, isn't it? You know, yeah. when it comes to, um, the why behind what we do. So I think like the reality is people have to people have to come to a place of where they they they, they value you know God and, and and what He says you know above you know what they can get you know what I mean kind of thing which comes once again like Ima said an an authentic relationship and encounter with God which over time I believe through maturity discipleship those things get developed you know so mm-hmm. yeah man like if you, if you realize that you won't do it. Ask God to pray for God for the desire to do it. That's what I did. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and over time, through you know, discipleship, discipline, and you know, God working my desires, things changed. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. So, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, Eman, have you got a scripture? And whilst you're looking, I'm gonna I was going to say, off. seeing that we have a guest, I think it's the guest that should do it. Um, and, I, and I know, and I know, Ayo has loads of scriptures, so that that won't be a problem. I'm sure all of us actually have loads of scriptures, bro. <laughs> um, but you're you're the guest today, so in, uh, in honor of the guest, we'll give you the the honorary memory verse for the end. Before you give the scripture, Aura, Ema, you want to give the last words? Aura, you can go first. Um, no, I just wanted to just one final point. Um, Ayo made a point when he he kind of said it in jest, but it's actually scripture where he said. Obviously, Imam was talking about, you know, having this passion and your genuine love for God leading you to a place of pursuit. Mm. And then I was like, if you don't have it, pray for it. And I just wanted to just end on that because it is that is actually scriptural. I can't remember who it is in the Bible where he's like, I believe, but God help my unbelief. Yeah. It's a very, very simple prayer. Yeah. But genuinely speaking, if if what um Iman and what Ayo has said has really gotten you to a place where you're like, Do you know what? I want to be there. Literally a very simple prayer of God, I believe. 
I want to believe, help my unbelief to get Come to a on. place where I desire you and no distractions. And I'm in a place where out of desperation, I just want you. That simple prayer, I'm telling you, the Lord hears. And I believe by his grace, you will get there as well. Amen. 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 I just got to find that scripture now in Mark chapter 9. I have nothing to add to that, Gabs. That was, that was perfect. That was said. powerful, man. That was powerful. Encouraging. Like pastors, man. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, Pastor Ayo. Yeah, it, it, no banter aside, I'm, I'm actually going to use that scripture still. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, because I think it even speaks to um, you know, um, what we're saying anyway. So, um, Mark chapter nine, um, and I'm going to read verse. Um, what's it called? I'm going to read verse 22. Um, already just quote the scripture saying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Um, and um, Jesus responded to the guy saying to him, look, um, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, question, all things are possible to him who believes. And I, and I, I just want to encourage everybody today that literally, you know, um, our belief in God, you know, and what he is able and willing to do um, is all things are possible. I really believe that that will, um, the scripture should edify and exhort you to um, to take God at his word, that that which he requires from us, he actually gives and supplies to us by his grace. And we, as we believe it, as the Bible says, we shall receive it. So that's why I would end this scripture with in Jesus name. Mark 9 verse 23. Lovely stuff. Really appreciate your time for coming on here. I definitely appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Once again, it's an honor to be on here. Thank you for coming on. Amazing. And to all the listeners, really do appreciate if you listened this far. Um, by all means, give us your feedback. Let us know what you thought. Let us know what you think about you know finding a good fight of faith and what you thought of the episode in general. Obviously, it's the first episode of the faith series, so we'll definitely love to hear hear from you and let us know if there's anything pertaining to the faith that you love us to cover or speak about. Right, it's the Real Talk Reward family. We're signing out. See ya. Blessings.